You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have Dan Roshan. Dan, I appreciate your time here today. And, and to find Dan, I'm going to point you to his book, um, Real Estate Evolution, the 10-Step Guide to CPI, which is Consistent and Predictable Income. I really appreciate your time, Dan. And it, is there any other place that they should hit you up if anybody has any questions? Sure. Hey, Jack, thanks for inviting me. And, and it's a pleasure to be here. And if anybody does want to find my contact information, easiest way is on the website, www.danrushon.com, R-O-C-H-O-N. Yep. And I'll make sure to include those in the show notes. Um, today, we're going to talk and uh, uh, slightly differently, and I think this is long overdue, is we're going to talk about looking at your real estate investing as a business. And, and I think a lot of people don't see it as such. It's usually a side hustle or or when they have the spare time, but they actually don't treat it like the business it should. And uh, Dan is going to provide some of that insight and some some guidance there. But uh, I wanted to go back to your, your book for a second, The Real Estate Evolution, The 10-Step Guide to CPI. Um, what made you write that book? Jack, I was uh, I had owned a real estate brokerage for ten years of my career, and I sold that brokerage in the end of 2018. And I had some uh, mentors of mine encourage for me to document what I learned in business and what I learned about developing and leading and, and organizing a business. And I took me 13 months to write the step by step guide. I wrote it for three hours every single day, and it, it goes from from personal development to flourishing to being the very best version of you possible, all the way up to profitability and how you can be most profitable and uh, evolving into today's marketplace. Sure. Well, when you, you're saying today's market, it's kind of an interesting market right now, uh, depending on even around the country, it seems like the market is fluctuating pretty dramatically. What are you seeing regarding trends and, and what we should be mindful of right now? Well, since March of 2020, there, you know, if you look at March, April, and May of 2020, there was very little activity, both on the buyer side as well as the seller side. And then in June of 2020, it seems as though if the the buyers came a little bit out of the work, but the sellers still sort of, you know, stood uh, tight. And so throughout the that time, all the way up until today, May of 2021. The inventory has been about 35% less year over year, uh, at least pre-pandemic. And so because of that less uh, less inventory, the prices have been escalating. We've seen multiple offers on properties and we've seen a, you know, uh, you know a ramp up in regards to prices that's been really dramatic, even more so than early 2000, 2003, 2004, and five which was the last time there was a rep of prices uh, in this case or, or similar to what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, one of the things that you, since you've, you held, owned a brokerage and uh, 
and we're a realtor and, and a few other, you know, you've been in real estate and, and being a realtor and a brokerage for so long. Um, you also have quite a bit of experience with real estate investors. So with with both a foot in each each world, if you will, you probably have a different perspective regarding how a real estate investor and realtors and how they can work together. I do, Jackie. And it's really about understanding that as a, a real estate agent, one that is good. And when I say good, that's going to be somebody that can help you interpret the market, that can help you understand the data of the market and what does that mean? So, for example, I'm sharing with you about three months in 2020 that there was, you know, almost zero. Well, there wasn't almost zero, but there was little little transactions, both on the buy and the, and the sell side. And then in June of 2020, there was, you know, a ramp up of buyers. That is useful information for somebody to know right now if they're considering to, to, to invest. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing wh- where we are in the marketplace, knowing where the future may be in the marketplace, what the options are, what the dangers may be, what the opportunities are. Uh, what, what I caution investors is to look at a market like we are in right now where there's appreciation that's rapid and, be, and become speculators. Uh, because there's a big difference between speculating on a price and investing into a solid real estate transaction. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, no matter what, if you buy today and if you're able to withstand time with whatever investment that you purchase, it's a good deal. Okay. Now, it may not be a good deal if you have to sell it in three years in the market dips. And right now, we are at the highest market in regards to prices of all time ever. There's never been a market that the prices in general have been higher than they are today. So mm-hmm. that's something to take consideration. Interest rates are at all-time low. That's good. So the price of money is uh, dirt cheap. Uh, yet, at some point, there's going to be anticipation that the market will uh, contract. Mm-hmm. And so it's just making sure that whatever investment that you're doing right now, that you can withstand through time, you know, in regards to uh, whether, whether the, the, the market contracts or expands, that you can, you can be safe with it and profitable. So do you have you, you know, on the flip side there, you know, you came at the the, the approach on how to uh, in, investors can work with realtors, but do you have any advice for realtors who are thinking that that might be a, a good avenue for them, you know, working with investors? You know, a great example I have is that I've, I do have a few uh, realtors who take it upon themselves if, if house that they are about to list or they, they identify something that I can add value to in some way. They'll they'll give me a quick call and saying, "Hey, this house is going to go on the market with for X. If we uh, add a bedroom in the basement, I you can sell it for Y, and uh, you know they get a sale. I can I can add that value, update the property, and you know it, it's a good relationship. I have a, a sale about three weeks ago that was a part of what I call a domino effect sale. So it was a, a, a beautiful couple that, that I've known for many years. We helped them buy the home and they were selling the home and buying a new home. Mm-hmm. Well, the purchase on the new home was contingent on their, you know, their sale. They had to sell their home. And it was a week between the transactions. The buyer for their home back out the date of the, the scheduled closing. And when that happened, 
they were frightened. Well, I went back through every single person I had written an offer on that, contacted them. I went through my investor database. This was on a Thursday. On a Friday, the day after this happened, one of my investors said, you know what, I'll pick that up all cash because it was a 10-acre, uh, it was a home on a 10-acre lot that was zoned for two residential properties to be uh, five acres each. So they were able to, uh, he's going to build it up a second uh, a residential piece of property on there. By the Monday, we had a close. So having that relationship for me as a real estate agent with a, you know, with my investor database, I was able to save a deal in that case. Mm -hmm. And so that's an example to have the relationships where, you know, having somebody with cash, when you see an opportunity, when there's, there, there's a problem, there could be, you know, a way to be able to fix it. That was uh, one of the times we were able to, you know, uh, fix a problem, save a client and help the investor in when they, when they redevelop that, we'll probably listen to those properties as well. Sure. You know, when, when a uh, real estate investor is thinking about adding or working with a, in a realtor, what are some of those questions that they should be asking each other to make sure it's a good fit? Well, I think just, you know, first of all, what are the expectations? You know, cause I've had a lot of, you know, when I, once upon a time I used to run a, a real estate investment club and, when I did that, I would have a lot of real estate investors that would come to me and ask for me to, to do things that wasn't in my business model, right? They would ask for me to write 100 offers that were at 60% you know, of, of list price, for example. Mm. That's not a good fit for me as a real estate agent. Right. Uh, the better fit for me as a real estate agent is an investor that is uh, ready to take action, has the means to take action, has experience, and uh, knows what they're doing, or at the very least, somebody that is willing to get the experience to do sound business purchases, business decisions. So when you're interviewing each other, you have to you know, ask the questions about, you know, what are your expectations of me? What's your experience? Do you know how to do a 1031 tax deferred exchange? Yeah, something that is common that an investor may need the, the knowledge of a real estate to be able to walk them through that so that they can protect their money, their assets, and make sure that they're doing everything the way that it's supposed to be done and, and, um, and identifying the next properties uh, and, and acquiring the next properties, et cetera. Sure. So, you know, just to remind everybody, head over to Dan Roshan at it's spelled R-O-C-H-O-N.com. I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. And Dan's got a, a book that you should check out, Real Estate Evolution. And um, jumping into the next topic is is uh, talking about like business and business processes associated with real estate investing. Um, like I mentioned early at the beginning of our conversation is that I, I think a lot of people see real estate investing as a side hustle or even a hobby, and they don't actually treat it like a business. Is Would that be a fair statement? Well, I think there's probably a, a fair amount of people who do treat it like a hobby the same way as real estate agents. There's a fair amount of people that treat it like a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to, to, to have a business in both of those arenas. And you have to understand that if you're going to develop it like a business, then you would have to recognize the fact that your number one priority is the, is the realization that you're in a lead generation business. That's true of any business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Jack, you got some guitars on the wall behind you right now. 
Yeah. And if you own that guitar uh, manufacturer, that guitar manufacturer is now, besides making a quality product, they, they are in the business of selling guitars. Right. Now, clearly, it has to be a quality product and it has to be at the right price. Yet it starts with the, you're in the lead generation business first and always. <laughs> and so when you understand that as a, an investor or as a real estate agent or as any other business owner, then you understand that your objective on a daily basis would be to find a deal, to look for an opportunity where you can help somebody, maybe out of a jam, for example. Uh, it's to be able to first lead generate, then after you lead generate, the next piece that would go on top of that would be, now, if I really want to treat this like a business, let me get some help. Mm-hmm. And so that would be building an organization around you to be able to support you so that you can then give that quality service or be able to uh, to, to be able to do the quality repairs or improvements on a property you're going to uh Flip it, for example, or if you're going to do some sort of conversion. Then after you build the organization, on top of that would be leadership. So mm-hmm. now it's about pouring in others so that they can get what they want out of life. And so when you understand that the, uh, any business has those three components from a, you know, from the foundation going up. Lead generation is the ground floor. On top of lead generation is organization building. On top of organization building is leadership. Mm-hmm. And understanding you can make a lot of money when you know how to lead generate. You can make a lot more money when you know how to build an organization. And you can you can make you can make exponential amount of money when you learn how to lead on top of all that. Sure. How do you how do you know as you're progressing through this? You know, let's say let's say let's start on that that foundation, the lead generation. Sure. What what should people focus on or concentrate on? Uh, to to generate those leads? Uh, well, first of all, you're going to want to focus on the areas that you feel comfortable and confident with. What I'm not going to ask you to do is go out there. If, if you get frightened, go knock on a door cold. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Okay. If you get frightened to, uh, to bang out the phones and cold call, don't do that either. But you got to do something. Whether if right. it's going to go network, whether it's going to go send postcards, whether it's doing one of those other two activities that I suggested that you not do if you hate doing them, what you have to understand is that you have to select one activity that resonates with your with your God-given talent. Then when you double down on that, whatever that one activity is, do that on steroids. Mm-hmm. There's five things that I put into the or to the lead generation a bucket that would allow for you to say when I can focus on these five things. Now I've got organization above me to be able to support me for everything else. The five things would be lead generate to convert the leads to appointment, go on the appointment mm-hmm. to negotiate and to practice your craft of script and role play. Right. Because as an investor, if you're not practicing negotiation tactics. If you're not practicing what to say and how to say it, if you're not practicing how to be in rapport and how to ask adept questions and then actively listen, you will you will do less deals than when you do focus on those five activities and you focus on the fifth one, which is scripts and role play. So those are the five activities that would stay at the lead generation foundational level, if you you know categorize as that. Then on top of that would be the organization, which would uh, allow for you to leverage 
for the help on all the administrative tasks, et cetera. Right. No, you no, and and you made a very strong point there too. And, and I I find that uh, some people they might uh, try to spread their marketing and their lead generation a little thin. And and we've learned time and time again that what you focus on is what's going to grow. So get really good at one channel or maybe two before you you spread yourself a little too thin or your resources a little too thin when it comes to lead gen. Yeah, and one thing about that, Jack. Every single lead generation strategy works. Every single one works, unless if you stop doing it. Right. Now, some work better than others, but what I see more commonly is somebody will start something for three months or less, maybe, and then say, yeah, this doesn't work. Because it takes time for it to work. It takes time for it to compound. It takes mm-hmm. time for it to produce results. And so you have to understand that going into it, you've got to be willing to give it 18 months, not three months, for right. whatever lead generation activity that you're uh, considering to do. Yeah, no, that that's a, that's a great uh, point because, I mean, uh, this week I've gotten multiple phone calls from postcards I sent months ago, not, not the current not the current mailing, but not something that I sent, not, something I've sent months months ago, and it's because they've received my marketing month after month. It's something that's top of mind, and they they eventually hold on to it, and they eventually will take action when it suits them. Yeah, and then at some point it starts. It starts. You know, you start getting business that you're not even expecting. Right. At some point, just like you said, Jack, you get two phone calls that it seems out of the blue. It seems out of the blue, but it's not. That's from an activity that you did several months ago. It's now paying you dividends. And the work that you're doing now, some of that will, will, will turn into business opportunity today. Some of it may be 18 months from now. You know, it, whatever the case may be, it's just time on task over time is what is what pays the uh, pays the bills. Sure. So how do, how do you know after you uh, get the lead generation, you say, you know, there's three stages there. How do you know when you're ready to move up to the to the next? Well, for me, I would say as quickly as possible because those five activities, the reality of it is, is, is what stops a lot of people is the million other activities that are outside those five activities. Mm-hmm. Like, let me put my website together. Let me, you know, draft the postcards. Let me make sure that I'm doing the copywriting for them or the, or, you know, the layout for them or whatever the case may be. And that's what people end up spending their time doing. But if you can get somebody else to do that for you, then you can go back and focus on the money producing activities. So the easiest way to get somebody to do that for you would be to consider to hire a virtual assistant. So you find somebody in a different geography in the world that if you're listening to this United States, there are people in other parts of the world that the economics make sense that you could pay a fraction of what you could pay for somebody here locally to be able to do a really good, uh, good, really great job on the activities and leverage that off for a fraction of the cost of what it would cost you here. Mm-hmm. Now, remember that third part of leadership. So what you can't do is you can't just go out and hire a bunch of virtual assistants, give them work to do and expect that it's going to come perfectly without right. leadership. You still have to lead to be able to produce the results that are worth it. 
No, you, you, you just brought something up there that I uh, neglected to, to mention uh, in previous episodes. That is actually something that uh, I did. We did early on is that we created a list of what we classified as money generating activities. And if you did anything outside of that, it had to be after, outside of work hours. Like when yeah, that's brilliant. Like, you know, so if, if, if you could be calling somebody or, or doing lead gen or, or follow up that had priority. And you had to do that during what people would see as business hours and anything outside of that. If it wasn't on that list, you had to do it outside of a traditional work hour. So Jen, you just mentioned something there that I think is a, a, a useful thing to, to highlight as well as the fact that you consider business hours. Mm-hmm. So you have hours and say, okay, I'm going to clock in at this time. I'm going to clock out at this time, just like if you went to a job. Right. And so that's the piece right there that if you want to have success, whether if it's in investing uh, as a real estate agent in any business and you're the entrepreneur, guess what? You're also your boss. What's your, you know, and so that's the other piece there. A lot of people sort of miss is the fact that, I mean, since the pandemic, I've been working from home. Before mm-hmm. I used to always go into an office, and for the last year and a half, I've been working from home. Right. I start my workday at eight thirty. I'll be getting a cup of coffee at eight twenty-seven. My wife will be in the kitchen, send me goodbye, and I'm like, "Sweetie, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta get to work." Right. She doesn't quit. Still, she still doesn't quite get that. Right. No, I start mm-hmm. at eight thirty. I clock in at eight thirty, and I treat it like a business, so that at eight thirty I start. Because at 6 p.m. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And when you have discipline with your time, then you create freedom of time. Right. The discipline creates freedom. You're starting to sound like Jocko. I quote, jo- I quote Jocko in my book, Real Estate Evolution. I quote him about that. And oh, by the way, when you go to that website that you mentioned before, I give them the seven habits of highly successful people as mm-hmm. a free gift to people there as well. So that's just a little, uh, a little freebie there. Oh yeah. If you haven't read that book, that's definitely something to check out. And I mean, you can't beat the price. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you mentioned that the last stage is that leadership, like when people are trying to move into that leadership stage, what should they be aware of? I, I'm sure at that point, you've already alluded to it. You, you can't let these people, you know, you got virtual assistants, um, but uh, it's, you can't be the blind leading the blind. You gotta, you gotta start establishing some processes and some direction so that uh, the the movement, the, the business is moving forward. Yeah. So if it was me, I'm starting a business day one. I'm going to get that list that, you said, Jack, of here's all the money-making activities. Now, here's everything else. Step one that I'm going to do is I'm going to hire two or three virtual assistants to shadow me. In today's technology, that can be easily done. They can be on Google Hangout. They can be on a Zoom call. They can be on Central, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And they can watch, just watch work. And I'm going to ask them, I'm say, listen, if it's not one of these five things or however many things are on your list, I want you to make certain that you write that down and that you help me document a process around that activity so that I never do it again. 
So that's the way that you start organizing yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about leadership, you, you know, you have to first consider what is leadership. So my definition of leadership is that you teach other people how to think so that they get what they want. And if you consider the perspective and the direction of the, of the thought, of the mindset, it's not about me, it's about them. That goes back to building the organization of, am I attracting the people to my organization that fit my culture? Mm-hmm. That are understanding the expectations, that are understand that there's an opportunity for them within this organization. So that's the foundational point of leading is to understand and say, before I lead, I have to make certain that I define certain things about the people that I surround myself with. Then pour into your people and you meet them where they are. A leader, your job's to meet them, not to have them meet you. Mm-hmm. No, th- those are those are some great points. And and unfortunately, I, I think uh, you know, like I said, we I was going to try to keep you to the to the thirty minute mark, and we're quickly approaching that. And just to remind everybody, head over to danroshan dot com, and that's r o c h o n dot com. But before I let you go, and I know I feel like I'm kind of shutting shutting down the conversation a little bit, but I wanted to make sure that I give you a little time on on my last question because that sometimes opens a can of worms. Is there hey. a question? Is there a question that you wished I would have asked you here today? I wish that you would have asked me about my darkest, deepest secret. Well, what is your darkest, deepest secret? <laughs> I'll just tease you when I say that, Jack. I don't have a darkest, deepest secret, right? But let's see. If you, there was a question that you would have asked me, I would say it would probably be like, what is your number one thing? to focus on for success in business. So this includes real estate investing or any other business. Mm-hmm. And I would say what that is, is perseverance. When mm-hmm. I look for characteristics of others uh, to sit there and say, will they be successful in being an entrepreneur or not? I think it's great that that actually accommodates for them to, to have a determination of success more so than persuasive skills or personality or charisma. That's all good. That all is helpful. Certainly is. Dominance, that's a good quality as well. You know, somebody's going to take charge. Someone's going to be a self-starter, someone who loves to learn, who's competitive, assertive, relationship-based, team player. Those are all fantastic qualities. The number one characteristics that I see of determination is the fact that they're just not willing to quit. So if you understand that you're going to make a mistake, you're going to stub your toe, you're going to get hurt, and hopefully you're not going to, you know, break your nose, hopefully you just skin your knees, and you're going to dust yourself off and get back up and go again, then you will have success. Well, I can't, I can't uh, ask for a better way to end this. I really appreciate it, Dan. This was a great conversation, and you're always welcome back. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. 
Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.